thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence where fears melt, hurts get healed, thoughts become aligned with yours. And God, with that, we thank you that your ways are higher than ours. We thank you that your thoughts are higher than ours. And so, as we get into your word tonight, we see what you have to say about some things. May we come to your level. May we rise. May we we aim and desire to go higher towards that upward call that's in Christ Jesus. May we not be satisfied with living anywhere beneath the potential that you've placed in us and that is in Christ and that is attainable through Christ. So we give you these next few moments, things in our day, things in our life, things that we care about and are concerned about, worried about, burdened about. We give those to you because you care. You care for us. And so if there's anyone here tonight, God, that doubts your care, I pray you will reveal that. I pray you will show them that. I pray you will reassure them of that. Reassure us tonight that you love us without a shadow of a doubt. You love us, and may we walk in that. Bless the word now. Open our ears, our eyes. Let our lives be receptive of it now in Jesus' name. You can say amen. Amen. Awesome. You may have a seat. Thank you, uh, worship team and those involved. Appreciate your hearts, your devotion, your commitment, your faithfulness, your passion, your love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus. Well, listen, welcome to One Night Church. It's good to see you guys. Uh, we apologize for last week. It was out of our control to have to cancel last week uh, due to some, a serious road issue just out front. The road was closed, collapsed in, and they had to fill it in and fix it so uh, no one could get here. And, uh, and so anyway, we apologize for that. But just two weeks ago, we kicked off one night, or one church night, and we were kind of putting this whole series under an umbrella that we call I Believe, and Pastor Lindsay taught a couple of weeks ago on the subject of a new creation in Christ Jesus, and very good, very good teaching, and the the Holy Spirit was gracious to us that night and really touched a lot of our lives and our hearts. Tonight, I want to take it a step further and talk about a subject that really kind of only gets talked about in like Sunday schools or small groups or classroom settings and little one-on-one things, but it's a subject matter that, that really is important 
and one that is a what 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 theologians call the sacraments of faith. There's two. One is communion. The other is a subject I'm going to talk about tonight, and that is water baptism. So there are two things that the Lord left us with that He said we must do, that we must follow through on, and that is one, come to the table of communion. The other is believers must be water baptized. And and here we're going to talk kind of about what that really means. Let's let's look at our, our Bibles tonight in First Peter chapter three. We're going to start there. It'll be our main text. If you don't have your Bible or a smartphone with the Bible app, you can follow along on the screen here. First Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. Peter tells us this. He said, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. Jesus never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat or his ark. Only eight people on the whole earth were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism. Can you say water is a picture of baptism? Which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body like a bath, but as a response to God from a clean conscience within. It is effective because... Of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Water baptism has no meaning if Jesus never came from the grave. Nothing in this life matters if Jesus never was resurrected from the dead. But scriptures in the new, throughout the New Testament constantly reaffirm that Jesus was indeed resurrected. That on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we just celebrated that whole theme and that whole weekend just a couple of weeks ago. We call Easter now, really Resurrection Weekend, Good Friday, and then on Sunday. But here's the thing. What Peter is getting at is he jumps all the way back to near the beginning with a guy named Noah. And he said the thing that happened with Noah and his boat or Noah and the ark was more than just a cute little Bible school story that we should learn and know about. There's a, there is a salvation message wrapped inside of that. And it's a type and a foreshadow of what Jesus has come to do and what Jesus commands believers to do in water baptism. And he says this water that has to deal with Noah is a picture of baptism. Our bodies are made up between 55 and 75% of water. The, the earth is made up of about 70% of water. You and I cannot live without water. It's impossible to go X amount of days without water. You and I cannot live uh, without it. It's impossible. We have to have it to live. We have to have it to survive. Have to have it. And so Jesus wraps, and, the, and the God wraps water into his story because of the significance of water and what it does. It's a picture of baptism. It illuminates and it, it shows um, the, the salvation aspect 
that is in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to look at from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. We're only going to look at a couple of places. But we're going to look at this in a way that, that really how water baptism is a prophetic move of God and how it brings forth God's hand and God's work in our life and brings God's will and God's purposes to pass in our life. How many of you want and desire in your heart, you really want the Lord's will to prevail in your life? You, if not, you probably wouldn't show up on a Wednesday night, most likely, um, because we don't, like, give out great food and, you know, tons of prizes and, you know, stuff like that. Now, Lindsay, she showed us up a couple of weeks ago giving out Chick-fil-A cards, right? And um, I was hoping there would be one tonight. I just it, it didn't happen tonight. So maybe next time. I don't know. Maybe next time. But you know, we, we you know we don't we don't have elaborate stuff that draws people to church, and it never should have never should be about elaborate stuff that draws people to church because there are churches that are across the globe right now who have no chairs to even sit on. They don't even have a sound system. They don't have comfortable climate control that we have here. AC in the summer and heat in the winter. A lot of them have to walk miles just to get to the gathering of their local church. And in some places, in some countries, Christianity and church gatherings are illegal. And so when someone in another part of the world gets water baptized in a in a place where it's illegal, they have to do it in a secret way. And they gather these so many folks around, and they huddle around, and they, they're out somewhere where no one else can see but just a few folks to make it a, as public as they possibly can, and they baptize these people. Because these people believe in the very power of Jesus to deliver them and to save them from sin. I mean, look at what Peter said here. Christ suffered for our sins once. He never sinned. He died to bring us safely to God. I mean, that's, that's it. That's what he wants. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he died. That's why he was resurrected, to bring us safely to God. It is a safe place to trust in God. It is a safe haven to put our entire soul in God's hands. Because God loves us. God cares for us. And so Peter breaks it down. He tells us that it, it was a, it's a picture. So let's jump back then to the Old Testament real quick, to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, we're going to look at just a few verses here. In chapter 6, God sees Noah, sees that he's a righteous man. God's ready to just destroy the earth that he created. He was tired of the evil that, it, that was existing, and he's like, I'm going to wipe everything out. Oh, but his eyes saw Noah, and he saw Noah feared him, and Noah was righteous in his sight. And so he spoke to Noah, and he said, no, I want you to build an ark. Never had been done before. No one knew what it was, but God instructed him on how to do it. He built it, created it, and then just look at what happens after it's finished in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1. When everything was ready... The Lord said to Noah, go into the boat or the ark with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Jump down to verse 13. That very day, Noah had gone into the boat or into the ark with his wife and his sons and their wives, and with, uh, with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic, 
and wild, large and small, along with the birds of every kind. Two by two they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. Verse 17, for 40 days the flood waters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. Verse 23, God wiped out every living thing on earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived, the only ones who survived were Noah and those with him in the ark, and the floodwaters covered the earth for 150 days. So why would Peter in the New Testament reflect and talk about Noah from all the way back near the beginning? Because of the significance of what this story shows. And now Peter said water baptism, or water is a picture of baptism. And he reflected the story about Noah, and here's what the story was about Noah. Now three things happened in this story up front here. First and foremost, outside of Noah's obedience to God to build the ark, then the first thing that happens is Noah and his family enter the ark. The ark is a picture and a type and shadow of Christ, meaning salvation, security, deliverance, and freedom is only found in Christ Jesus. And so he has this ark, and he built it. God told him how to create it, and he said, and then enter into the ark. He enters into the ark. So you and I can only ever be free from sin. You and I, our past can only be forgiven. You and I can only be healed of anything ever in our life is if our lives are in Christ. Outside of Christ, we stand no chance of ever being right, ever being free, ever being forgiven, ever truly being loved, or ever able to really love other people or anything else for that matter than which you and I are created for outside of Christ. In Christ and in Christ alone is our world and our salvation. In fact, Acts tells us that it's in Christ, it's in Him that we live, move, and have our being. Our identity is in Him. Our purpose is found in Him. What we were created for is Him. What our hearts want, what our souls are trying to find on, in this world, yet we can't find it. We only find it in Jesus. And so Noah enters the ark, he and his family, and, they, and they're in there, okay? So they first enter the ark. Then the second thing is once they're inside, it says the Lord closed the door behind them. Noah couldn't close the door. Noah didn't close the door. Noah's sons didn't close the door. The giraffe that he brought on did not close the door. The, the, the elephant didn't pull the door closed. God closed the door. What does that mean for you and I? It means that, there, that the only way and the only one who can create a, a distinct dividing line between our past and our future is Jesus. The Lord is the only one who can close the door of our past. The Lord is the only one who can close the door of your, of your hurt. He's the only one who can close the door to anything like that, to your sins, to your setbacks, to your challenges, you name it, only him. And so Noah had to allow the Lord to close the door. And so let's look at a couple of scriptures here in the New Testament. Colossians 3, going to run through these. He says, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature, and all its wicked deeds. Verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Galatians 
says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so when the Lord closes the door to our past, meaning our life is entered in Christ for salvation, we've trusted him for salvation, we enter into him, he closes the door to our past, we become a new creation. Now all the new doesn't just instantly all get worked out in in a moment. That's what growing and working out our salvation is all about. That's what being together as the body of Christ in settings like these will do for us is help build our faith, it'll help teach us what's right, helps show us what's wrong. The conviction of the Holy Spirit in our daily walk, in our daily life, is with us. We have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that will guide us, that will lead us, that will show us in the way in which our lives are to be going. And that only happens when first we're born again and salvation enters our life. Now, what is that all about? God closing the door. Then the third thing that happened with Noah is this, is that then they encountered the floodwaters. They encountered the floodwaters. They, the, the ark was lifted by the water and the torrential downpour for 40 days, 40 nights of rain, and it lifted the ark and it set sail. So they entered the ark, the Lord closed the door to their past, and then they encountered the water as they were in the ark. And it said in verse 23 that only those who were in the boat or in the ark survived and lived. Only those who are in Christ will ever truly have eternal life. Okay? Now, why is the whole thing with with Noah so, so important? Well, one, Peter talks about it, and he reflects in in his letter about it. And he says, water is a picture of baptism. So you need to understand what the whole essence of that whole Noah and the ark thing is all about. There's, a whole, there's obviously many, many more lessons involved in that, but one of the big aspects there is that of salvation in the Lord and what the whole picture of, what, of water is all about, that it shows a distinction between what was, what is, and what can be. See, where you and I are today is where we are today. We're not where we were yesterday, thank God, but we, but we are on our way to becoming more as we move forward. So here's the thing, I don't want you to have your head held low, I don't want you to be looking down, and I don't want you to be feeling bad about where you might be in life right now. What you need to figure out and understand today is by the Holy Spirit, you're not who you used to be, you're not where you used to be, you might be where you are, and there might be some divine discontentment going on in your life right now, God's shuffling some things, God's shifting some things, God's messing with some stuff, God's pricking your heart and convicting you on some stuff, that's good, that is a good place to be, and all that says is you're not where you used to be, and you are on your way to where he's called you to be. Thank God I'm not where I was 27 years ago when I got saved. Where I got saved, it was great, it was wonderful, it was awesome, but man, I didn't know a whole lot. I didn't know a whole lot. There were some things that I was doing in my life that I didn't know I shouldn't be doing until I got in the Word and certain things started happening, the Holy Spirit started checking me, people started talking to me and showing me, hey, you can't be doing that anymore. Right? 
And so it all was, it wasn't to, 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 uh, to, to cut me down. It wasn't to cut me back. It wasn't because people didn't like me. It was because they loved me. Because God loves me, then he, he prunes and he reproofs and he disciplines those he loves. And so this whole water baptism thing is significant. My last two years on staff in a church that I was at in Memphis, the pastor assigned me the position of being in charge of water baptisms. It was a fairly large church, anywhere somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 people were in a church. And so I was in charge of the water baptisms. I didn't really know what to do. I knew I had gotten water baptized many years ago. This fall will be 27 years ago. Got saved in a summer youth retreat thing and at a Nazarene church, believe it or not. And God can work anywhere. And, and so then, then a few months later, that pastor of that church, I asked him, I, can, I, I think I'm, aren't I supposed to be baptized? Yeah, you're supposed to be barred baptized. So they baptized me later on in that year in the fall. So it'll be 27 years later this year uh, that I was water baptized. And then it's pretty neat. So 2003, 2004, I was in charge of water baptisms at this pretty big church. And um, it was like the baptism thing was like, as high as that, that New Life Church sign up there. That's how high above everybody it was. It was way on back there, up high, you know, and it was huge. It was probably as big as this carpet right here. If you can see this carpet. That's how big the tank was. So you had to like, you, you were like way up here getting down in that thing. You're like, step, 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 and then you're down in there, and it's like up to here. All right, it's huge. So... And then we had these two changing rooms, the one on each side, women's, men's, all this stuff. So anyway, I organized this whole thing, and, um, and every so often we would, help, we would have water baptisms. Well, on this one particular Sunday, it was water baptism Sunday, like we're going to be having this coming Sunday here, but ours doesn't sit way up there. Ours kind of sits down here, and it's not near as big as that one was. Um, but it, uh, we had this water baptism Sunday, and so... People had signed up, going to get baptized, et cetera, et cetera. And so we get in, we get started, and we start, baptize, start baptizing people. I think on the list that day, there was probably about two dozen people that were supposed to be water baptized. So we're, getting, we're about halfway, a little over halfway through baptizing these folks in the middle of service. And all of a sudden, people start getting up from out of the auditorium. And they start walking up front to the altar. And they're talking to the pastors there in the front, and they're pointing them this way and pointing them that way. And then pretty soon those people are walking around to the very back behind stage, and they're coming up into the baptistry area. And I'm looking off to the help, up to the sides for those who are helping me out, and they're saying there's more people coming, there's more people coming, there's more people coming. So what turned out to be about 24 people getting baptized ended up turning into about 200 people getting baptized on that Sunday morning. We ran out of swim trunks. We ran out of T-shirts. I mean, in like 10 minutes, people were running down to the dollar store buying everything they had, more towels. They were buying like, um, they were buying tablecloths to wrap around people so they could get water baptized. It was crazy. It was, it was insane. And at the end of that baptism day, it ended up being like, instead of 15, 20 minutes, it ended up being like an hour and a half later. And people are still in church. People are still worshiping God. People are still praising the Lord. People are still clapping and still thanking God for all these new lives that are being changed up here. And, and I look down at the water, and you can't see through the water. It's so dirty. You ever been that dirty before and taking a bath? 
some of my, my kids have. But that water, the significance of that water being so dirty is the significance of Jesus washing us clean. Those people were coming up out of the baptism tank. Change. Change. I'm talking pe people who were hooked on drugs. Took a hit that morning. Came to church. Saw so-and-so get baptized. Given a, about a 30-second testimony. And it pricked their heart. And they said, I got to do that too. They, I got to do that too. There was this, there was this one one, uh, one guy baptized, I forget what his story was, but it was pretty, it was pretty moving, pretty significant. I'm sitting there getting ready to baptize him. He's telling his little 30-second testimony, and it just so is like, just so grips everybody. And I just take him by the chest, and I just slam him down in the water like that. And they ended up naming, naming it the Tomahawk uh, Dump uh, Baptism Day or whatever it was. But anyway, it, it, water went all over, went all over the top and the front into the, where the instruments were. And those guys were kind of mad at me, but they, they, it's okay. And, and anyway, but like 200 people got water baptized that day because the, the revelation of the understanding that God closed the door to their past. God can close the door to your past. God can seal it up. God can divide your past from your future and create a brand new uh, life for you. But it requires you to trust him not only for salvation, but trust him to stand before other people and say, I, am I, have, I have chosen to live dead to sin and alive in Christ. And it takes courage, it takes faith to do such a thing. So flip over real quick, Matthew chapter 3. i got to finish up here. So you see the picture of baptism with Noah. Now we're going to look real quick at the person of Jesus and, and, and his story. Matthew 3, verse 13. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. John tried to talk him out of and he said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, right? Yeah, it makes sense. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So Jesus was water baptized. So why should we be water baptized? Because Jesus was water baptized. Why should we aim to live holy? Because Jesus lived holy. Why should we love people who hate us? Because Jesus loved people who hated him. Why should we bless those who curse us? Because Jesus blessed those who cursed him. Same theology applies. Jesus was water baptized. He was immersed. He was submerged in water in public view. And with that public view then came a heavenly applause, a heavenly assurance and a heavenly acceleration in his life to bring forth God's will and God's ways into his life, which demonstrates and shows you and I that when we yield to the fullness of all that God says to do and we get water baptized, it opens our life up to heaven in a greater way for God's assurance, God's applause on our life, and God's acceleration to happen in our life. And so that's what happened. Jesus then entered into the ministry from there on out. 
Well, he commands us in Matthew 28. Uh, look at it real quick, Matthew 28. Uh, it's on the screen. It says, therefore, Jesus, these are the final words. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at Mark. 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone and anyone who believes and is what? Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So Jesus was baptized, but then also Jesus commands new believers to be baptized, to be submerged, to be immersed. Now, they're not going to get into the semantics. Well, what if someone can't get into the water like that? Believe me, it's not a big deal. We don't like make it or break it on that, okay? At the church I was at, there was a few folks that were like that that couldn't get submerged for different health reasons, so we did it a different way. Well, I don't want you to get hooked up or, 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 or uh, hanging on that particular thing, but that's the idea, okay, because of the picture of what it shows. Look at the, a few examples in the New Testament church real quick. Acts chapter 2. So Jesus was baptized. Jesus commands us to be water baptized after salvation. Look at a few examples here in the New Testament church. Peter's word he preached pierced their hearts. And they said to him to the, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized, added to the church, about 3,000. Now that is a baptism service. <laughs> Thinking, ah, oh, maybe 20, maybe 50, maybe 100. 3,000? What? Get baptized that day. That's pretty, pretty powerful. Look at another example here in Acts 8. It says, but now people believe Philip's message. He's preaching the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. Many men and women were baptized. Look at one more. Saul, as he's about to become Paul, Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Now, Saul was a Pharisee, an elitist, meaning top, high. And Saul had a conversion in the Lord, and then Saul himself allowed someone to baptize him. And then the Lord changed his name to Paul. So Jesus was baptized, he commanded us to be baptized, and you see the examples in the early church. Now, let's look at the last thing here. You guys still awake? Okay, I'm about to wrap up, I promise. Look at the effects of water baptism. It's found, you can look at it in uh, the book of Romans. Paul talks about it in chapter 6. The effects of water baptism. Well then, he says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? Heck to the no, of course not. Since we have died to sin, 
How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Verse 5, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful nature, our old sinful selves, were crucified. I like, kind of like how he says that. We know that our old sinful, sel- sinful selves, they was crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our life. Did you catch that? We, our old sinful selves, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Sin loses its power in our lives as we follow through with water baptism. We are no longer slaves to sin. Whatever sin is in any one of our lives, we all have it, all right? It just means that we're not supposed to allow it to have power in our life anymore. Meaning we should want righteousness because we love Jesus more than following our sinful nature. It says when we die because it was crucified, in Christ. It says, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this, and here's why it matters, and here's why it counts. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. Any other spiritual leader or God in any other religion, they're dead. They never were resurrected. The difference with our faith and any other faith is all those other gods of all those other faiths, they're still dead, they're still stanky, and they're still in the ground. The difference is Jesus got up from the grave. That's the essence. That's what counts. Is that on your darkest day, You feel down, you feel out, you feel knocked out, you feel punched in the gut, you feel like you could cry your eyes out, and you have nothing left. What matters is Jesus was raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, nothing on this earth, nothing of my flesh, nothing of hell can keep me bound. Paul said this is what turned an old, cranky, hard-hearted preacher of religion talking about himself to a soft, cuddly, compassionate person. It was because Jesus was raised from the dead. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any flippin' power over him. 
And because it has no flipping power over him, it really has no power over us. Because all who die in Christ live in Christ. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. He broke the power. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Whether you feel like it or not, your spirit cries out to the living God, make me new, make me new, make me new. Change my heart, change my mind, change my life, change my soul, stir my heart for you, stir my thoughts for you, open my eyes to your purpose, open my heart to what you have for me, God. That is what the power of baptism will do for you. That's what will cause a real believer to not wander from the faith. Not saying we don't make mistakes, just saying we don't live in them. We don't live in them. So don't beat yourself up tonight if you feel like, man, I have made way too many mistakes. Don't beat yourself up because the power of the risen Christ sets you free. All right, I have to shut up and get done. So we identify with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then lastly, so what do you do after you get baptized? Just sit around, twiddle your thumbs, put your name on a membership roll at a church, go to church on Sundays. If they have one church night on Wednesdays, go to that. What do you do when you get, after you get water baptized? What are you supposed to do? What, what should happen? Well, Paul tells us, In Romans 12, it's just two verses. And he says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Your bodies to God. Because of all that he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. Is God finding our lives acceptable based on what we do with our bodies right now? Based with how we live. He said, that's what we should try to do. He said, this is truly the way to worship him. And here's where he goes. He goes, so don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. That's what he says. Don't copy. After you get saved, you get water baptized, what are you supposed to do? Do what you want to do? Live how you want to live? Think what you want to think? No. Don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You and I get transformed when we change the way we think. And the way we change the way we think is by the Word of God. And the Word of God brings transformation in our life. And here's the next thing he says, then... You will learn to know God's will for you. I just want to know why I'm here. I just want to know what God's will is for my life. You know, what's the big meaning of life these days? You want to know what God's will is for your life? 
You're only going to find it out when you surrender to him, you become water baptized, and you stop copying the behavior and the customs of this world. You let God transform you. You let God change you. You continually, every day, what Paul's saying is you give yourself away to him. You give your bodies to him. You give your life to him. You make your life matter to the Lord because you do matter to the Lord. He says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which his will, by the way, doesn't suck, doesn't get old, doesn't get exhausting. No, his will is good and is pleasing and is perfect. Right? That's what it says. His will for your life is good. His will for your life is pleasing. His will for your life is perfect. So we get saved, praise the Lord. We get baptized, okay. Then what do we do? We present our bodies to God. We present our lives to him to serve him. We give ourselves to him to serve him. So this new life in him happens when you and I enter into the water. And the whole thing about the picture, the water being a picture of baptism, is it shows that when we go into it, we're standing there in the water, and we're before people that love us and people that we love, and we're telling them, I have chosen to live for Jesus. I am dying to my old nature. I'm dying to the ways of the world. I'm dying to the things of the enemy. I'm dying to whatever Satan has for me. I am dying to the flesh, and I'm going to live for God. And so when you go down into the water, you, you identify with Christ's death, his burial, and when you come back up, it's his resurrection, meaning by faith you have a whole new life. So questions. I've been water baptized before, but I have a greater understanding and appreciation for what it means. Should I get baptized again? I was baptized as a child or earlier in my life, but I really haven't lived for the Lord until recently. Should I get baptized again? I have never been baptized but I believe in the Lord for salvation should I get baptized. I don't know if any of those questions pop into your mind, but the answer I give to all of those is yes. There are, if you've been baptized before, I'm not going to say you know, yes or no in the sense of your salvation depends on it. I'm just saying that if God has truly revolutionized your life, now or recently versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you have a whole new understanding and appreciation for your love of, of the salvation that's in the Lord. Yeah, I think I'd go public again, man. Because it's a brand new day. If you've never been baptized but you're born again, answer, yeah, be water baptized. All these things we just talked about, all these things, the story of Noah, the picture of Jesus shows us that if we're serious about serving the Lord, and we want to know what real life is all about, new life is all about, you'll never find it apart from Jesus. You'll only find it in Him, and you'll only begin to discover it when you let Him close the door to your past, and you enter the water grave, and you come out new on the other side. That opens up a whole new world for you.
this place. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I pray, oh God, that it has hit home in our hearts. And even those of us who are like good with it and like we got it, we understand it. May it just continue to affirm and reassure us that we're headed in the right direction. And any of us here tonight, Lord, maybe feel like, well, I'm confused. That didn't help me at all. Then I pray you help them, God, and get me out of the way. And you bring your full salvation into their lives. So, Jesus, be glorified in every life. Be glorified in every home. Be glorified in every person here, I pray. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.